Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. Thanks for making us a part of your Thursday. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we'll get into this Dan Snyder story a little bit later uh, on in the 4 o'clock hour, but we do want to get to this jazz sound. Donovan Mitchell uh, was available to the uh, media today. And, uh, you know, these Zoom meetings, Gordon, are, are a little bit different, but uh, I like them. You can get some information and we can get it turned around fast. That's uh, That's been kind of nice. Yeah. Well, any kind of feedback at this point is of interest to fans. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get on to it. It's time uh, for another um, Zoom press conference with Donovan Mitchell here on uh, the Zone Sports Network. So we heard that uh, that George was a full participant in practice today. Uh, just wondering kind of what he looked like out there and, and also what your expectations are for for what he can bring to the team going forward now that you guys are just like well, like two weeks away from playing your first game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good to have him out there, you know, for the full length of practice. You know, it kind of doesn't feel like he's been missing because he's always uh, a spark, you know, whether it's talking or it's, um, you know, going through drills. And he's not a guy that, you know, it didn't take too long to kind of remember plays, remember certain things. So for him, it was like, you know, it was, it was really easy to kind of jump right in. And for us, it was like he didn't miss a beat. Uh, so it was good to have him back. And, yeah, we're, we're, we're locked in and ready for the, for the next two weeks and getting ready to play on, on the, the 22nd. Thank you. Right. <clears throat> Great. Next question will be from Tim Reynolds, AP. I know this has been talked about a little bit already, but do you think in an empty arena, the interaction between opposing players when it comes to maybe some of the extracurricular talking and stuff like that, or the, the, the interaction between players and referees, because there's not going to be a sound barrier there. There's not going to be 20,000 people muffling the noise. Do, do you think that's going to change much from what, uh, what's going <laughs> Not, not at all. I feel like that's you're just gonna get an open, open, open gym kind of vibe. I think uh, from a fan experience, I don't know what uh, the NBA is planning for the TV, but as far as being in the, being in you know the arena, I think you're really just gonna see what guys talk about an open gym. And honestly, everybody's so worried about the trash talking. There's a lot of like just jokes being made on the floor. Obviously, we come playoff time, that kind of goes out the window. But um, it's going to be weird at first. But at the end of the day, we've all played pickup in empty gyms. And I feel like that's what it's going to feel like as far as talking to each other. But uh, there'll be some things that it'll that'll pick up and definitely allow for, you know, you guys to kind of run with and, and have fun with because it's just the nature of the game. But um, I don't think it'll be any different at all. Thank you. Okay, next question will be from Tony Jones, The Athletic. You know, what are some of the things that that you are focusing on, you know, for trying your individual game in terms of which you want to improve, uh, you know, from March heading into the, to the restart? Uh, becoming a better passer. I think that's our more willing passer. I think getting into the lane, you know, obviously, you know, get there, you know, and um, – Take certain shots, whatever. But I think being able to find my teammate, especially with with Boyan being out, we're going to need guys to kind of pick it up and, and kind of pick up the slack that he had. So for us, it's like for me, you know, obviously uh, take the shots that I can get, but also being able to find my teammates, getting them easier looks, which will then also come back and make it easier on myself. But being able to do that, I think, will not just help me for where we are now, but help me for years upon my career. All right, next question, Sarah Todd, Desert News. Hey, Donovan. Um, I know that over the over the quarantine break that you worked out in LA and you had a couple of the young guys on the team that were out there, Mie and um, 
Rajon and th- you, you've got a lot of those young guys that are actually on the team and kind of going against them in practice. Can you tell me what you've seen out of them, whether in LA or just while you've been in Orlando? I think the biggest thing with all of them is the the willingness to learn. You know, um, I think that's one thing I really I really like about them. Their work ethic. You know, uh, whether we, when I shoot late at night by myself, you know, I've seen guys uh, some of the rooks kind of come in and, and get their work in as well as they should. And you know, I, I think that's the the biggest part, the dedication to the game. Um, and it's gonna it's tough. You know, you come into a position where you know the, throughout the majority of the year you don't play much, and then you get down here and you never know what when your opportunity may come. Um, so I think it's tough to kind of keep and stay locked in, but they've done a great job of that. And they, they don't go anywhere without each other. <laughs> um, so I, I've noticed that that's a good thing. It builds camaraderie and they're always working out. And then when, the, when we were in L.A. with uh, Rajon and Mie, continuously asking questions and just playing with confidence. You know, I think the biggest thing is just being confident. So when your moment comes, just being ready to, to knock a shot down, be ready to, to get a stop, you know, whatever it may be. I think that's what I, one thing I've really seen from those guys. All right, next question from Ben Anderson, Sports. You're wearing the Stars sweatshirt right now. What's the story behind that? I'm seeing a lot of guys wearing them. It was pretty popular last night on social media. I wasn't really. Um, honestly, I saw it in my locker and grabbed it. <laughs> um, I thought it was a pretty, pretty cool uh, to have a little throwback uh, Stars uh, sweatshirt. And I like shooting in, sh- in sleeves like this, so um, that's really the story behind it. There wasn't really anything else. I didn't even know it was on on social media like that. But you know, I like it. Uh, it's, it's a it's a cool color, and um, hopefully, I can get a few more. Okay, next question, Eric Woodyard, ESPN. Okay, so I think she's like, probably the one out just to... Come on, E, take yourself off mute. Uh, Eric, we can't hear you. No, I guess. We don't want that. All right, we'll, we'll come back to him in one second. First, uh, we'll go to Sam Amick, uh, The Athletic. Donovan, good to see you. Um, hope you're hanging in there okay. I was hoping to, to get your perspective on the coach's challenge here in terms of Quinn and the idea that these guys know X's and O's like the back of their hand, but, but no, none of the coaches in this league have really been through something like this. When you figure that they're away from their families, uh, they're trying to, to be incredibly uh, empowering and, and kind of in lockstep with you guys when it comes to Black Lives Matter, you have the coronavirus situation, and you guys are all going through it together. But but their roles in particular seem to be, you know, a lot more than normal. How do you see just kind of the way Quinn is handling that and that challenge? I think coach has done a great job, and I, I, like I said, I think it's 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 huge to see coaches, you know, just kind of coming down and it's really turned into kind of like a college atmosphere. You know, I think, uh, I think coach, uh, coach Quinn, we're, we're all really close as a team, but you know, some teams aren't always like that. So I think it's allowed for all coaches to kind of get closer to their players in the mail rooms, practice bus, like, uh, there's like that extra like hour or hour, two hours that you get with your players that doesn't necessarily happen. So you kind of find out more about them and then vice versa. You find more about, find more out about your coach. You know, um, I've obviously formed a great relationship with coach Quinn and, you know, always kind of just, whether it's a text or a call, you know, because at the end of the day, I don't, I don't have kids, but I can only imagine if I, if I did the, the amount it'd be on my, 
on my brain. So, you know, I, I always let coach know I appreciate all the coaches. Uh, Quinn, uh, Johnny, who I work with, um, Zach Guthrie, Vince. Like, there's so many uh, guys, Lamar Skater. Like, there's so many coaches on our staff that I just I say thank you to. You know, and not even just the coaches, the training staff, uh, the equipment guys. Like, you know, they obviously we're all making a sacrifice to be down here um, for for the greater good. But I think that's that's the biggest thing, just being able to show that you appreciate it because, you know, at the end of the day, this is a job, but family comes first. Uh, family and life as a whole comes first. And for them to be able to sacrifice and come down uh, says a lot to us as players and says a lot to – should say a lot to the fans because obviously players have sacrificed coming down here, but the coaches, the training staff, the equipment guys, uh, those deserve a huge shout-out as well. Appreciate it. Okay, we're going to try going back to Eric Woodyard. Eric? So for you, man, you know, adjusting to this role, man, you know, from 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 being a rookie to second, you know, to, to your third season, have it, have you adjusted into this role? I mean, obviously you about to come out with a second signature sneaker, but how much have you adjusted just to this role of you being a franchise guy? And just just take me through that where you at right now, man. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me is not run, not allowing you know the name I've created on the floor and off the floor to kind of affect the work that I've been doing, you know, continuing to, to work on my game, get better as a teammate, better as a leader, better as a player uh, in so many different ways. I think that's really where it starts because, you know, it's easy to kind of get what I've been able to be given at an early age and early in your career and kind of just, you know, chill, you know, and I think that's the, that's the I try to do the exact opposite uh, and just kind of just focus and, and focus on myself in the game and let everything else kind of flow the way it has been. I've been blessed to, you know, they've been granted with an opportunity as a rookie, you know, unfortunately I seized that opportunity and I've been kind of going with it ever since. But yeah, you're right. I've, I've kind of honed in as trying to be the leader of this team and going out there and just leading these guys any way I can, whether it's meals, it's it's gaming, it's on the floor, pick and roll, defense, like whatever it may be, just kind of going out there and just be trying to be the voice because, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I'm three years in, but I, I kind of see myself as a little bit more than that. Um, and I think that's really where my head is at, you know, not really thinking about, wow, you know, I've been able to get all this. I appreciate it and I'm blessed, but, you know, um, the team that we're playing doesn't really care about that. They Honestly, it's about going out there and getting wins and, and being the best player and being the best teammate I can be. All right, great. And we have one last question. This one will be from Kyle Goon, Orange County Register. Donovan, you use the words uh, college campus to, to describe what you're going through right now. I was wondering if you compare this at all to your Team USA experience. And is there just kind of even going further than that, is there something weird about just being physically around potential playoff opponents and, and guys you're going to play in just a couple weeks? Yeah, I feel like it'll be different when the games start. I think right now, I know a lot of guys throughout the league just from just from relationships that I've built. So it's really been like, that's where I kind of got the AU kind of college feel from it. Um, but once we start playing, I think really once the playoffs begin, I think that's when you start to see the separation um, you know, from guys, even I shouldn't even say that even when the game start, you start seeing separation, but uh, and the competitive mindset kind of flip. But right now it's just been kind of good to catch up with guys and, you know, obviously kind of going through a crazy experience and us being in a, in a bubble and kind of having the whole world watching what we're doing, you know, and just kind of just, for me, like I've known a lot, a lot of these guys, like you know Jason Tatum, obviously uh, Bam, um, Kuz. Like, there's so many guys here that I've known for for a little bit. Uh, so being able to kind of eat and, and 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 chill with them, I think it's been cool. But once, you know, once the game starts, I think it'll be a little bit different for sure. Is, and just as a quick follow up, is there something sort of democratizing about even guys like LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, 
the biggest stars in this league sort of having the same setup as as guy as the rest of the guys in this camp. Honestly, I don't really no, I don't mean to distract. I don't really care. You know what their setup is. I think at the end of the day. Um, we came down here to hoop. I didn't come down here to kind of compare, you know, who's staying where and who's doing what. You know, we all have our assumptions and it is what it is. But at the end of the day, we all play on the same court to have the shoes the same way, put the same type of jersey on. So at the end of the day, it's about who's go out there and be competitive um, and kind of go from there, you know. And um, those guys that you named, they've, they've earned the right to kind of have their name and whatever it is. But, you know, like I said, I'm a I'm a guy who's three years in and we have guys on this team that are ready to prove themselves as well. And that's, that's really what we can be focused on. All right, that was Donovan Mitchell, his media availability, and he hit on a lot of good stuff there, Gordon. I think the most important thing was what we started off the show with. He wants to pass more. That's uh, a way he feels like he can improve and uh, something he can do to help his team, especially with the absence of Boyan Bogdanovich. Well, my main takeaway from that was that Donovan sounds like Donovan again. You're reading uh, into his vibe, or what gives you that impression? He just sounded like the upbeat Donovan again that we remember interviewing so many times. And it seemed like throughout the stoppage of play, the few times we did hear from Donovan, he, I don't know, it just seemed just twisted a little bit. And now he seems like he's himself again. So being out on that court, I think, is him is him is bringing him back to himself in some ways. Yeah, the circumstances are strange. You heard him talk about the relationships of the players and whatnot and how it is different to have all the guys see the guys around and whatnot, but, uh, and it is unique in that way. But he, he, he said he wants to be a leader of this team, that he's, he's young yet, but he, he thinks he's, he can give more in that regard and no reason to, to disbelieve him. I, I I think that was a really encouraging bit of sound from from Donovan Mitchell. Well, getting back to playing basketball has had to help, right? And we, yeah. we talked about that throughout all of this, that kind of what fanned the flames was the fact that they couldn't really do anything about it, work out their issues, you know, talk about it, or, or maybe they need to play one-on-one or something. But it didn't help that everything was just put on pause and they couldn't work towards their common goal of winning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, I think that's an interesting observation on your part. I hadn't really thought about that, but maybe being back on the floor and, and practicing is is truly what, uh, what heals all ills, right? Yeah, yeah. And as far as the adjustments go, what you mentioned – and we talked about that, uh, about his uh, wanting to keep his eyes looking for his teammates. And uh, when he gets himself in a tough spot, making the smart pass. And when defenses are reacting to him, because he forces defense to react to him. That's what Donovan does. And so then what happens? Does he have an, a good, clean opportunity to score? Or is he being is a fence being built in front of him? or around him, and then what's his exit strategy from there in order to help his team by getting the ball elsewhere. All right, Gordon, let's uh, let's hear a little George Niang. What do you say? Well, he oh. had his media availability as well. Okay. Uh, let's hear what uh, George had to say. And by the way, these Zoom Jazz availabilities presented by University of Utah Health, they take care of Utah like Utah health, uh, helps take care of you. Uh the official healthcare provider of the Utah Jazz and you with 16 neighborhood health centers, U of U Health has a game plan for your family's care. Visit uofuhealth.org slash jazz 
And just a little reminder, we'll have Doc Talk uh, coming up tonight in the 6 o'clock hour. And uh, I'm sure Gordon's going to be calling in to talk about his uh, gangrenous uh, toe. Shit, I told you not to talk about that on the air. <laughs> All right. Here's, uh, here's George Nieg. I was wondering if you could just kind of uh, take us through, you know, how, how your foot injury happened. Like, what exactly happened that, that made you, like, not a full participant in these first uh, few practices that you've had? Oh, I mean, I, it, was, I, it was just precautionary. I had uh, just rolled my ankle, um, you know, so we were just taking precautionary steps. I mean, we don't play for another uh, 14 days, I think it is. So just taking it slow, getting in there to get uh, – to full speed. Coach also said I was kicking too much ass, so I had to take it easy. Next question will be from Tony Jones, the athletic. You know, what are you what are you expecting, you know, your role to be um, you know, in, in terms of the new restart, in terms of the offense and, and in terms of, you know, what your time is and if, if it's gonna be any different than than what it was before uh, before the the initial uh, NBA shutdown. See, here's the thing, Tony. Um, I can only control uh, how hard I play, the effort. I mean, uh, you know, my attitude and how I treat other people. Um, obviously, Boyan is out. I mean, it looks like there's going to be more opportunity, but I can only go in there and do what I'm capable of and fit my role and whatever the team needs me to do. If that's, you know, to shoot corner threes, if that's to get guys open shots, and I'm going to do that. Um, I've heard a lot of press about, you know, with Boyan out, what is Niang going to have to step up and do? I'm just going to go out there and, and be the best me that I can be. There's no added pressure. I just go out there and try to be me and try to get 1% better uh, every single day. So I don't look at it as what am I going to have to prove? What more do I need to do? I'm just going to go out there and take what the defense gives me and do what the team needs me to do. All right. Next question will be from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. We talked to Donovan a few minutes ago, and he said that it seemed like you didn't skip a beat, that it felt like you had been in practice like this whole time. Uh, do you feel like you were set back at all by not being able to practice fully with the team for the last week? Or how are you feeling about your progress as far as kind of ramping up to things happening? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I've been able to get into a rhythm. Uh, people don't understand, you know, not being able to play five on five for however long we were and, and until we got down here is, is a lot, is really different. Um, you know, so getting back into game rhythm, um, game shape, um, and making sure I was a hundred percent to do that. Um, you know, it was just something that I was focused on every day. And, and, you know, I'm glad that, you know, I'm back to a hundred and, uh, ready to keep progressing forward. And like I said, get 1% better, you know, every single day. Okay. Next question, Ben Anderson, KSL sport. What was yesterday like having a day off? And is this type of quarantine better than being stuck at home? <laughs> uh, is that a trick question? Uh, the NBA bubble, I'll speak out on that, uh, is really impressive. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're stuck in an area, but they provide a ton of activities for us to do. And, um, you know, it's there's been a lot of hard work that's been put into this and people have done a lot of great things to make it feel as close to being, you know, at home when we're not uh, playing basketball. Um, I would say, you know, sorry, I lost track of the question. Can you ask it again? Yeah, it has. A, well, what have you been doing in the bubble to kind of stay oh, busy? Yeah, and it's different than the, at home? Yeah, yeah. So a, a lot of guys. Um, 
you know, the treatment room has been open a ton. The training staff has been great with us. You know, the pool is open here. A bunch of us have gone golfing, uh, playing Uno. Uh, you know, a lot of guys are video gamers. I'm sure you see it on social media. I don't play video games, but I can hear them in the room next to me, you know, all the time, yelling, screaming, shoot this guy, shoot that guy. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so we've just been playing video games. You know, we have a great camaraderie as a team. So hanging out with each other and just, it's like a 112 day uh, road trip. All right, there you go. Uh, that's George <laughs> Niang, 100 day road trip. Yeah. Woo, that's a longie. It is a long time. But George yeah. sounds like he's in a good spot. Yeah, he, uh, he sounds sounds like he's he's ready to play, and uh, yeah. Uh, could you repeat the question, Jake? I, I, I lost track of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened to you before, where people have lost track of your questions. <laughs> yeah, since they go on for two and a half minutes. Oh well, that's yeah. I mean, it's good to hear the guys talk. Talk about basketball. Talk about the thing they that they love doing for a living, and that they're getting ready to play again. That's what that's that's what I'm getting from these comments. Uh, nothing really overly specifically informative, but just yeah, I'm a ball player and I'm balling. Uh, the Zoom Jazz availability brought to you as always uh, by our friends at University of Utah Health, the official health care provider for the Utah Jazz and you with 16 neighborhood health centers. U of U Health has a game plan for you and your family's care. Visit uofuhealth.org slash jazz. Coming up next, Gordon, the Washington Post piece on uh, Daniel Snyder and, well, actually more accurately, the Washington NFL franchise is out. Uh, we'll give our some thoughts on, on what it's all about and what may happen coming up next on The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Uh, the Washington Post piece on the Washington uh, football team uh, is out, and it's headlined from Dream Job to Nightmare. And uh, Gordon, it's it's basically a story that uh, ta- they talked to a bunch of different employees and staffers of the Redskins organization, or whatever they're going to be called. Uh, there was one woman who uh, really went on the, uh, or who went on the record, who was kind of the main source for all of this. But there are unnamed sources and events. Um, long and short of it, it details uh, basically the uh, several males. Uh, in the organization that uh, were in high-ranking positions and their uh, basically incidents of sexual harassment over uh, the course of over a decade. Yeah, and some of it is, I mean, it, it feels like almost like you're reading stuff that you would have expected to hear in the 50s, you know? There is a little like um, uh, I don't know how many folks uh, watched Mad Men, that television yeah, that's a, show out there, but yeah. There, yeah, there's definitely like a Mad Men uh, male-dominated harassment culture uh, that was allowed to exist. 
Well, when you're telling certain employees to wear low-cut shirts and tight shirts and short skirts, and uh, I mean, it just goes on and on with these various uh, accusations. And uh, I it, it, just absolute tone deaf as far as if it's true what these what these people were saying and texting and. It's it's yeah it's it's indefensible, and it, it, it's it, I really go back to it's almost as though we've fallen back sixty years in time, and for this to be allowed to an environment that fosters that kind of behavior amongst uh, upper management is. Is, is is it's I don't want to say it's hard to believe because it's not hard to believe, but it's totally unacceptable. And it's uh, several different players from uh, Alex Santos, who who's been fired, to the voice of the Redskins, Larry Michael, who resigned yesterday. It goes to uh, people in the marketing department, business operations, um, former chief operating officer Mitch Gershman, and most of it, Gordon. In fact, all of it, you could. You, you, there's no sexual assault included in this story. It's all filed under sexual harassment and some really impro- uh, like inappropriate text messages, comments, uh, comment on, on female employees. You, you know, the one thing, if I'm a, another professional franchise reading this and, and thinking what lessons can I take from this, and there are many, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But the, the first one, the one thing that jumped out to me is they had one full-time HR person whose job was actually divided uh, with other administrative duties, which is just amazing to me because I think, you know, we work here at Larry H. Miller Sports and Entertainment, which is a company that also encompasses uh, the jazz. And uh, Austin, I'm looking over at you. How many HR people would you say are in Larry H. Miller Sports and Entertainment? Nothing short of at least 1,500. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, they have ten thousand plus employees. There's yeah. a whole army of HR employees on the second floor. Didn't they, didn't they say that in the with the Washington football team that there were there was one person who was responsible for two hundred and twenty others? That's what I'm saying. They had one person, and that and that job was actually even divided more. Uh, it says in there because they had administrative office duties as well. So they had one full time HR person for the whole franchise. And that wasn't even their 100% their job. And that's why I'm comparing it to the Jazz that have, uh, I'm not, let's see, I I made a joke about 1,500, but I would guess Austin, full-time HR just for Larry H. Miller Sports and Entertainment, there's got to be, what? 15, 12, 15. Right. Yeah, and and, and for, there are some people out there who hear us talking and going, oh, man, political correctness is going too far. And no, no, no. These are if these accusations are true, this is something. Okay, let me ask those who might err in that direction or lean in that direction. Would you want your daughter to work in that environment? Well, absolutely not. Can I can I rephrase maybe for or your wife or any of your friends? No. And so and and I say it that way because those who sort of lean that way sometimes oh come on you know they're just no it's not acceptable and they, I and I certainly wouldn't want anybody I cared about or anyone else for that matter to have to put up with that when they're trying to get the job done at work. 
Well, I want to I want to rephrase maybe for folks out there who think it's political correctness because this has nothing to do with being politically yeah. correct. This is yeah. not a politically correct. I mean, we can give out some of the details, but that's that's not the issue we're talking about here. If you are uh, an employee, if you go to work, there are certain expectations for a safe work environment, yeah. and those are very legitimate laws in most well in all cases in this case as well these are the, the standards to adhere to because everybody deserves to go to a safe work environment in one way or another if you need to make the you know kind of if you want to look at more blue collar stuff say you work in a in a, a manufacturing f- factory there are certain safety standards uh, for your physical health that need to be adhered to. But in the, in the case of most offices out there, we're talking about HR stuff and being able to have a safe work environment. And if you are a female, that includes being able to go to work, being free of told that your backside looks nice in that skirt. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's wholly inappropriate yeah. and against the law. And so oh, if your or, company or, or, fosters an environment that that is acceptable, then that that is a major, major, major issue that goes well beyond political correctness. Yeah, yeah. I saw in that one text that uh, the, the the one person was making jokes about a woman's uh, figure and uh, using a, a more graphic term. Uh, and I just think you're right. That is a safety issue. If I'm a woman working on it, I'm not, but if I'm a woman working in an environment where I think guys are allowed to joke about me behind my back because of the way my physical stature, that's just, uh, it's clearly way out of bounds. And uh, it, the, no wonder women were meeting in the bathroom crying and, and, uh, and, and telling one another about how uncomfortable they felt. And then not having anyone to go to because you're afraid that if you do go to someone, you're going to lose your job. Yeah, that was a theme throughout this, that these uh, there was definitely leverage of. um, And I think one uh, accuser or one source used the example of uh, it was said often that there are a thousand people in line to take your job. So you better, you know, it, 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 it the culture is the problem, right? You create this culture of silence where you just have to to put up with it. And, and if you're going to do your crying, do it somewhere else, you know, and, and, and if you like working here and you want a career in the NFL, these are tough to get. So you better just put up with it. And that's a that is that is a farce. And that and is so for anybody who would say, well, just quit your job then. Well, what if otherwise you love your job? And so you shouldn't be faced with that kind of decision. And you want to put a job with the Washington Redskins on your resume. You know, maybe you can work for the Cowboys next or the Dolphins or, or the Nationals or the Wizards. Or, but you but know, you're afraid you, you that if you, if you complain about a totally inappropriate comment or action on the part of uh, a, a high-ranking management member, and, and then you want to get a job somewhere else, and now you're scared that you won't be able to get that job because someone's going to pass along something negative because you, you – uh, it didn't uh, receive that kind of treatment with any favor. Well, you it's, blew you blew the whistle on the All Boys Club, yeah. and that follows you around. And and I I can't stand that that type of thing because I mean that's you you look into the the coaches network right where the the guy who uh, the guy who um, uh, blew the whistle on Dave Bliss down there at Baylor right that guy never got a job again. 
And it's like, hey, somebody did the right thing, and now they're blackballed from the industry. I mean, that type of mentality is just crazy. And, and the the exact type of stuff that that led to uh, many, at least fifteen in this case, if you believe the the uh, Washington Post report, women who who worked at that franchise in an uncomfortable environment for an extended amount of time because they felt like they were pressured to be silent. That's you know, that's not right. And unfortunately, I, I think this is an overall business problem. I think that exists in a, probably a lot of different offices out there, Gordon. But in sports, it, a predominantly male industry for a long, long time, uh, I would guess. Uh, well, let me ask you, we saw the same thing with the Dallas Mavericks, right? Uh, a few years ago, yeah. where Mark Cuban's president was was out of control when it came to sexual harassment and the culture was was damaged down there. I mean... I think there are a lot of industries that are probably experiencing something like this, but in sports, you know, this is going to be under the magnifying glass. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's out of bounds, unacceptable. And, uh, didn't they, didn't they survey, uh, like 40 different employees? They I talked mean, was, to 40 different employees. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was thorough and they got a lot of feedback from people saying this made them feel uncomfortable. And that's, that's a shame. Well, there's a lot of uh, asking out to, you know, like, a, and, yeah. and here, this is, this is something that, uh, that probably is not uncommon out there. Like uh, they mentioned a couple instances where if you went away, like the training camp, that was a, a notorious spot for this type of behavior. And some of these female employees were even told to avoid a specific bar because that's where, you know, some of this stuff happened. And they tell a couple of stories where, yeah, these executives would ask these coworkers, you know, and in some cases, journalists uh, would ask them out repeatedly and inappropriately, even in some cases where, you know, uh, the both sides were in a relationship, uh, married or otherwise. One, well, one that- gal even said she was in a relationship with another woman. Yeah. And it did not stop the harassment. Yes. Had to remind this executive that, hey, I have an outside relationship and you're married. So leave me alone. Just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and then what was the reaction of uh, said executive or one of the executives was, I'm going to wear you down with my charm. Right. Well, that's, that's that disgusting. stood out to me, too. Gordon, that, that part really stood out to me, too. And, and of course, what do employees want to do? They want to impress their bosses, right? What if your boss is treating you this way? I thought the one uh, the the one uh, story told in there about the, the one boss who was notoriously hot-tempered, but also uh, what did not have the reputation of, of being somebody who would uh, sexually harass, but with her, he was still hot-tempered, but he must have been attracted to her because she got both of it. She got the the harassment and uh, the the harsh treatment, and sometimes in the very same interactions. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's that's just, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, this is this is uh, beyond any kind of acceptable level in, in a workplace. Well, you just can't have it. And if you're this is something that uh, the awareness needs to be raised to the point where if anybody suspects that anything like that is going on, you have to you have to move on it. You have to investigate. Now, I imagine that some sometimes it's not true and you can find that out too. But keep the workplace at a level 
where you can avoid this kind of behavior. It's it, it ha- certainly has to be sent to everyone, including the big bosses. Yeah. That it will not be tolerated. Well, there was some speculation before this was all released that this would um, make the NFL or force the NFL to force Dan Snyder to sell the team. Uh, do you think it's going to get there? I actually, I as wrong know. as this is, I'd be shocked if it got there. Yeah, I there. Uh, apparently, Snyder himself was not guilty of of any harassment. Is that correct? That's what the the report said that he but, wasn't directly implicated at all. But that, I'm not sure that should matter. If there's a tone set within your organization, you got to know about that, man. Well, gotta, that, that worked for Mark Cuban, though. Yeah. Mark I Cuban suppose. played see no evil, hear no evil. Oh, I had no idea where this was going on. And Mark Cuban is supposedly one of the most personally attentive owners in the NBA. And yeah. he was able to pull it off. Now he's immensely more likable than Dan Snyder, but should that matter? It's the environment that you allow to exist. I, I agree with organization. you. I agree with you. But mm. uh, the, if Mark Cuban got away with it, I don't think Dan Snyder is going to get forced into selling anytime soon. Mm. Right or wrong. I, I'm not trying to – you understand I'm not trying to advocate an opinion for that. I'm just trying to well, speculate on what's going to happen. And I don't jobs, think he's going to be forced to sell the team. Yeah, not him, but some of the others involved have uh, either been shown the door or have uh, – Suddenly decided retirement looked like a pretty good idea. Well, that's what happened to the radio play-by-play voice. He retired yesterday. Getting out while the getting's good, I guess. Yeah. All right, we've got a Not Sports Report coming up next. Sam Amick at 5, but right now it's time for another Back to Basketball update. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's another back-to-basketball update. Let's hear from George Niang of the Utah Jazz. On He talked about his ankle and why he missed the first few practices. Oh, I mean, I, it was I, it was just precautionary. I had uh, just rolled my ankle, um, you know, so we were just taking precautionary steps. I mean, we don't play for another uh, 14 days, I think it is. So just taking it slow, getting in there to get uh, to full speed. Coach also said I was kicking too much ass. So that's it. Take it easy. All right. Uh, on the Lakers front, we heard about Rajon Rondo's injured thumb last month. He did have successful uh, surgery on his thumb today. He's expected to be out six to eight weeks. But earlier this week, Frank Vogel, head coach of the team, said he expects Rondo to be, quote, part of our playoff run. So he said the return would likely come between uh, somewhere between the first and second rounds of the playoffs. And there's another back-to-basketball update brought to you by Zions Bank. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, 
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. We're going to talk to Sam Amick coming up top of the 5 o'clock hour. But until then, Gordo, where are we going today? Well, we're going to two different stories. The first one is... um, it has some relevance to sports, but uh, apparently there are uh, coaches who are trying to get rid of ACT testing and SAT testing as a requirement for eligibility. So the focus of the first story is on ACTs and SATs. And do you guys have an opinion on those tests being uh, a part of eligibility for college enrollment? Well, far from perfect, but you got to use something. How'd you do with the uh, ACT or the SAT? Did you, did you ace it? I didn't ace it, but I did fine. I did all right. I took <laughs> I took it twice. Did better I, the second time. I took it twice and did better the first time. But yeah. uh, no, but I I did well enough. Sure. How about you? Is twelve good? Do you- <laughs> I had a bu- I had a buddy who got in the in the mid teens. No. Yeah. Was he just filling in C for everything? I don't answer? know. I don't know. You what get the deal was. fifteen for putting your name correctly. Uh, you know? Hey, I'm I'm not judging. He's a good dude. I'm judging. I I, I don't necessarily think it measures how well you'll do in a college environment, but uh, but I I understand the other side of it too that you do have to have some measurement right to. Uh, to project how one will do, I, I just don't know if it's effective in that regard. Well, I don't think grades are either, but don't you hope if you combine the two that you can get some sort of accurate accurate portrayal? But, uh, I mean, like, uh, for example, I, I knew a guy whose high school grades were just dreadful, but then he got a 35 on the ACT. So, oh, wow. I mean, you know, I, one doesn't necessarily – we're just doing our best, right, to try and get an accurate picture. So I think the ACT and SAT, SAT are far from perfect, but I, I get their usefulness. you got to do something. I say go to the Wonderlick. Just, go, just, just keep it, it up. the Wonderlick for everybody. Just hand them out those rings that you have to separate, and the ones that, <laughs> that separate the rings go to college. If you go by the Wonderlick, then some pretty good players aren't getting in. Yep. Too bad, uh, so sad. And, and I'm joking about the rings thing. I, isn't it impossible to determine somebody's success when you're going from one environment to the other that are so completely different? I, I know so many people that were so different in college in, in a variety of different ways than they ever were in high school. And how do you, you know, how do you, uh, what what am I looking, quantify that potential? It's it's impossible. Right. It's impossible. Like, like I, I aced kindergarten. Uh, and then I got to first grade, and that was, it was over. <laughs> okay, the second story is this. Do you guys know who, or do you much, know much about the rapper Offset? I know. Everything. What What do you know? Nothing. Well, apparently, who's he married to? He's married to a well-known, uh, anyway. Uh, he, his daughter, he has a number of different children with different women, but his uh, his daughter now, who uh, just had a birthday, he bought for her a $9,000 purse. Now, you might say, if you got the money, you can spend it any which way you want. But his daughter is two years old. 
You guys have young daughters. Can you imagine spending $9,000 on a purse for either one of them? How much money do I have in the bank? Well, I mean, no matter how much money you have in the bank, is that a good choice? If I got a ton of money in the bank, who cares? Well, yeah, but that's my point. The two-year-old daughter doesn't care. So, I, well, yeah, I'm just I'm heating my, my house with money at that point. And sure, she can have whatever purpose she wants. My daughter has this little uh, sunglass carrier thing that she's obsessed with. It has, like, sequins on the outside. It's, she calls it her purse. Yeah, you know, that costs a dollar, nine grand. You know, it all depends on your perspective. <laughs> well, there's a difference there. I told you about my friend who has plenty of resources but uh, is uh, wise with his choices, wise with how he spends that. And I'm not sure that $9,000 for a two-year-old, you know, there's no way she can comprehend that. There are people who are on waiting lists for two years for these kinds of purses. Well, I I mean, good to be them, I guess. I'm not going to criticize how anybody uh, chooses to parent. What are you going to do? I will. That's stupid. Let's go to break. Yeah, I think I tend well, to agree. Well, it's stupid with if you make uh, if you make twenty five grand a year, then that's probably not the smart thing. No, but I don't if care. You're... I don't care if you make. I don't care if you make the gross national product of Japan to give a two year old <laughs> a nine thousand dollar purse is stupid. I I'm with Austin on that one. Not not that we're judging or anything. I am. What about uh, like a Ferrari for a sixteen year old? Also stupid. Yeah, I don't think that's a very good idea either. Why not? Uh, well, you know, if I'm worth hundreds of millions of dollars, sure, have a Ferrari. Yeah, they'll be smart and wise with that car. Oh, the second generation is always doomed, right? You know? <laughs> All right. Just think about it. Think about it, Jake. All right, you know. I'll give it some thought. But <laughs> you're I, not you're gonna, your daughter you're not has gonna, a birthday coming. She up. does this weekend, and she's not getting a nine thousand dollars purse. <laughs> so let's criticize Jake for not doing that. Like he's fall, falling short somehow. I am falling short. I'll get there someday, Gordo. <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea, Jake. Just let the you got to start slow and let kids, you know, have an opportunity to work into that kind of environment if they find themselves either able or willing to work for it. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Sam Amick. It's your daily assist. It's all straight ahead here on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.